0: You're listening to Power Producers Shop Talk, where we are refining and redefining the sales game by equipping you with the tools you need to differentiate yourself in the marketplace.
1: Well, it's like when we audit the mod with Magic and give them the action items that they're going to use to lower their total cost of risk.
0: Tactical skills that will help you provide deliverable value to your clients and prospects.
2: Technology is not an expense, it's an investment. Look at what ThinkHR has done for our clients and even our team. It's an amazing product and I'm so thankful we have that. And action items
0: that you can provide to take your prospects and clients to the next level.
2: Things are changing for us in 2021. Not all big business anymore. Now that we have Cover Wallet on our team, it's amazing that we're going to be able to write small business profitably.
0: This is Power Producer Shop Talk. Production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power?
2: What's up, everybody? It is Friday. It means it's time for power producer shop talk. Kyle is really wishing football season was already oh, here.
1: Man, it's close, dude. Repping the Ohio
2: State stuff.
1: I'm gonna have my ass up in Columbus at the shoe September 11th against uh, Oregon. Gonna be pretty excited about that with the big cat and my brothers. So big uh, cat. We we we're in an Airbnb. We are ready to freaking go. It's gonna be sick.
2: It's like the that's like the prequel to the the Brent Hauck Open, isn't it?
1: Pretty much. I mean that that so that's in November. That's November. I understand it'll take you two
2: months to recover from that weekend before the Brent Hauck Open.
1: Pretty
3: much,
1: man. Yeah. Pretty much.
2: So we wrapped up our deal with with Gurley, with Josh Gurley, who is known to everybody on the podcast. So in the spirit of bringing on some people that I think are pretty successful producers, I asked Mr. Steven Sedlak to join us. He's been on the the regular Power Producers, but wanted to do a few shop talks with him about some of the things he's seeing, some of the things he's doing. But um, before we get into that, you know, Steven's the prototype for me. Like if I was going to bring somebody into my agency, this is the guy right here, hundred percent. Now I wouldn't hire him or try to hire him from where he is now. Um, aside from the fact that his family has ownership in the agency <laughs> because yeah, he's already got tough. experience. Right. But you know, this is a guy that came from ADP.
1: Okay. Yeah. Did yeah, We talk I mean, about that last time. I, I don't hmm. remember.
3: We did. We did talk about it, and and how you know with their training, how it transitions easily into getting somebody out knocking on doors and and, and yep. getting them okay. not to be scared to get out from behind the desk, basically. Right.
2: Yeah. So talk a little bit about that, man. I mean, what's the what's the deal? Like, how do you how do you feel like you got prepared for what you do every day today? Because you're all over the place, man. I mean, you're not. This is yeah. a guy that is not afraid to cold
3: call. No. Uh, and, and that's what really taught me that that, that place did. You know, I, uh, kind of a little quick background that I said before is that I, I had my own little business in college. Uh, I had too many chiefs, not enough Indians, went over to Enterprise with their training, which was good, but not what I was looking for. One uh, to get in the outside sales world and, and um, ADP and paychecks were two that I was interviewing with and uh, ended up going with ADP just because I knew a few people there and they, they raved about it, uh, just their training. And they do. That's, that's what they push you to do. They it, it, Call reluctancy happens no matter who you are. Um, and you need an organization, you need somebody that's going to push you, and, and that's it, that's what you're doing, that is what your job entails of. If I was in my office and not turning in a deal, my manager would be like, well, what the hell are you doing here? Get out on the street, get <laughs> yeah, knocking on yeah. doors. So their training, I'll, I'll be completely honest, You know, coming into our agency, without that training, I don't know if I would have stuck around in this industry because I wanted to be on the commercial side. I, I, For me, it was where I wanted to be. didn't want to be on the personal line side. Um, so the you probably
2: side. would have stuck around, you'd have probably stuck around, but it wouldn't have been nearly as easy on you. And you wouldn't have been mm-hmm. nearly as successful as quickly because you just, I mean, look, man, when I first walked in to my first agency, I was no, let uh, made aware very quickly on my first day, there was no training program. So, you exactly. know, it's sink or swim, you know, you get the opportunity cause you've got the backbone, but there's really no sales training program for you here, son. So you're going to have to figure that out on mm-hmm. your own. And, We've got all the insurance stuff. My
3: office was in the basement. It was a makeshift office. It was a desk and a phone, and uh, which was kind of good because that helped me, you know, say, hey, I don't want to be in this office anyway. Right now, I need to get out on the street and out in front of people. So um, that was a good aspect, you know, in what happened. But overall, yeah, it, it wasn't. It was. Uh, this is how we've always done it: go out and hit the streets without what I had at ADP. It, it would have fell flat, flat on my face. Plus I already had a book of business over at ADP of clientele that I, it was easy right. to open those doors up automatically.
1: Exactly.
2: Yeah. What do you think the most valuable thing is you got from that time with them? I mean, of the training, what do you think is the one thing that you still use today that you, you would not have gotten had you not been there?
3: I'd say there are two things. One is that, uh, uh it's, it's, if you're asking somebody for help, right. If you're knocking on a door, and it's a, a gatekeeper, or, or you're calling somebody, um, and, and you're trying to get in touch with somebody you don't know who to t- touch base with is, I always ask, hey, I, 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 can you do me a favor? Can I ask you of a favor? Yeah. People are willing to, to open up and help you, right? Now, they might not give you to the decision maker, but they're going to give you some information that you might not have otherwise, and it lets down their guard a little bit. Um, yep. And I guess the the other thing that's always stuck with me, and it was probably my first couple of weeks on the job at ADP, is we were out cold calling. It was me and my boss, and uh, we we were coming up to a uh, a large, I think it was a large manufacturer at the time, and uh, you know he said, uh, or it was something where I came along and I was kind of a little reluctant to go in and. and go knock on them. And he said to me, he goes, if you ever get that, he goes, that call reluctance, just take a step back and ask yourself, should I do this? And the answer is always yes. And your fears will kind of Yeah. What's the worst thing that's going to happen? Right? It's okay to do it. Right. Um, so there's still some of those, you know, you can get a little <clears throat> shy, a little shotgun, I guess, when it comes to calling on people or or walking into a business cold call. but I, I still do that to this day. I just take a step back and say, "Should I do this?" And I always answer yes, and ease myself, and you just walk in the door, and it's 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 not as they're going to tell you no, and
1: then it's, I mean, you can even you can come back six months later; they they're not going to remember who you are, most likely. I mean, you know, I would gonna- love
2: it if you like went out in the parking lot, shaved your beard, and then walked
3: back in, <laughs>
2: and just literally just said, "Hey, out of curiosity, anybody see an extra chin laying around? Because mine's not here. I don't have a chin."
3: Well, also what's funny about that is we had, it was our sales, uh, our sales executive was in one week and uh, a friend of mine, uh, he's still a good friend of mine, was working there too. And he was out cold calling with them and they walked up to a door that had no soliciting sign uh, on it, right? So he goes, forget it, let's walk in. So he walks in and the lady, first time I ever heard anybody called out on this before the lady goes, excuse me, I guess you didn't see the sign up front that said no soliciting. Nice shit. I kid you not. He say he comes back, he goes, Oh, I'm sorry. I thought I thought that was French for come on in. Lit up the place <laughs> and started laughing.
1: They end up getting an appointment with it. So, you know, I mean It's just about uh, making people laugh, man. It's something you gotta do. I, I like what you said about right. the you know, can you do me a favor thing? I used to walk in when I was doing the um the office supply stuff with Quill and I would say something to the same effect like, um, you know, m- maybe you can help me out real quick. So I would kind of throw in a little bit of a sense of urgency, you know, impulse factor there that they knew that it wasn't going to take up too much of their time by saying real quick, and then a little bit of indifference, you know, just by saying maybe you can help me out. And it, like, like you said, the problem the is down here.
2: That, you're sweating. You're sweating profusely when you walk into the front of somebody's business. So there's is that, that a problem though? No, that's an easy too.
1: icebreaker, right? You can walk in and just be like, you know, you're already sweating balls, and just be like, man, it feels good in here. What do you got the AC turned down to, like sixty eight? And the, like, the, yeah. like they're they're gonna they're going to open up a little bit. Like you don't have to be a full-on comedian. Like you just need to kind of icebreak a, a, a bit to, you know, to, to get them to talk with you and relate with you as a person, not just somebody coming in there trying to sell them something.
3: Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, anytime, I prefer cold calling a person, door knocks, uh, you know, drops, if you will, as opposed to phone calls. I'll do both, but um, I can get people to open Why? up a little bit more when I'm in front of them. I can get them to okay. open up. You know, it's it's harder for them to say no. Um, exactly. It, on a phone, it's it's easy just to say no and hang up, or you know, not answer totally. the damn phone. Whereas you you walk in, it's a different ball game. You're in front of them, and, and
1: exactly. Like I like to walk in, in on, wearing a on, t-shirt. Verbal cues and you know the the body language and stuff that you're not gonna you're not gonna have on the phone. Like you said, they can just bang on you right there, and 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 it's you know they're not gonna. Most people are not gonna do that in person because it would cause like physical harm, and that's. Uh, that's frowned upon. Yeah, some, I like to places. walk
2: in wearing a t-shirt with a picture of my wife and kids on the front of it. And then if they try and reject me, just point
3: to that.
1: You wear t-shirts See, these people, in businesses now? I thought it was always a no, a no t-shirt move for you.
2: <laughs> these, people, these people are counting on you to help me out. I can't take dinner to this family tonight unless God. you give me the information I need. <laughs>
3: no, I, knew I, mean, people I, I knew people at ADP that, that would tell people that in essence they would, they didn't last long, don't get me wrong, but mm. they would almost cry to them saying, I'm not going to make my quota this this month. You yeah, know, I that's really lame. need this deal.
1: That's, that's, like that's, like that. that's, oh, like that's like the guys that get an AOR and they go groveling back and, you know, tell them about, you know, like David's example of little Johnny, he's his freshman in college this year and, He's not going to be able to, you know, whatever it's, it's lame.
2: By the way, that's straight out of the wedge. That's not David's. I can't take credit for that. Randy Schwantz talks about how the incumbent always pulls out the bottle of scotch and talks about little Johnny going to college next year (laughs) and everything. But it's sad, man, that, that actually like it works to some degree, but it's kind of pathetic, right? I don't know of anybody that's going to be willing to make a buying decision to somebody who says, Oh, I'm not going to make my quota because I you may not care. be there next week. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, I, why would I buy from I you if you're not going to be around?
3: Yeah, that's not. Yeah, my I don't want to be
2: represented by the guy who might or might not make their weekly quota.
1: Like, right? Yeah, sounds like you're a real crazy.
2: superstar there, friend. Like, right,
1: yeah. right. Mm. So, so that's interesting. That um, they, they, they how, how long ago was that that you were there? Ten years ago. I, I've been okay. in the
3: Insurance World now at our agency for ten years now. Got it. So I left there about ten years ago. Okay. Cool.
2: So, I mean, obviously, a lot of that stuff translates over. you know we did um we've talked before. I don't remember it's funny because Gurley actually sent us a message yesterday about yeah. specifically about a payroll rep but i mean how much how much do you work with aDP and payroll reps now? I mean, I'm interested in your thoughts because we've had a lot of success yeah. in working in working with payroll companies for lead sources as long as it's the right as long as it's the right deal, right relationship. I mean, obviously your nationals like ADP and Paychex have in-house agencies and so that becomes a little bit of an issue. Correct. Um never really had any issues with them though if they refer an account in, you know. And we're always, you know, we're always in the mindset too even when we get referred business from a payroll company. There're just times that it's not going to happen on the workers comp side. Without them going into a PEO, and we'll tell the payroll rep that. And we've, you know, I think our reputation is actually pretty clean. It it is, it's pristine, actually, you know, with the payroll companies because we understand the relationship and the fact that they have referred that business in. Kyle just went through this with one of our accounts this year, where Mm -hmm. payroll company referred it to us. Mm -hmm. Um, we were not able to place the comp because of the class of business and the length of time in business. We had to go to a PEO to place it. We told them that that was going to be the only option. They wanted what was best for the client. And we gave them our word that when the time was right and we could get comp placed, we would bring them back into the mix. Well, for two or three years, we've had this account with a PEO. They got enough history established, clean history, and- this year, we yanked it out of the PEO.
3: Yeah. I mean, we've, we've had – I think what you said was it's got to be the right person. It's got to have the right person, the right mentality, and the right understanding of what the relationship is. Um, when I left ADP, I had a lot of friends that still worked there, so I had great relationships with them. And one of the guys we had for the next two years, we just crushed it, both of us. I mean, we were both referring business over left and right. Um, and we knocked it apart. Now, the issue with some of these larger ones is, and not a lot of them, or not larger ones, but a lot of them, is that a lot of these guys, their goal isn't to stay in that position. Their goal is to move their way up. And so once they get out of that that role that they were in, they're now in a different mindset, and somebody else is in that territory. So then you have to reestablish that, and that's what happened with that relationship. He moved up, and he's still at ADP, and now he's in the training role and uh, the national level. But the person that took his spot, I tried to make it work with her and it was, uh, it was a dumpster fire. It was all she wanted was, you know, me basically hand over an account to her and nothing in return. Um, so I haven't really partnered with ADP since then. I found other partners. I worked with a guy over at, uh, PayLocity for a while. He moved on, um, walked over with, uh, a guy at Paycheck. So just got to find the right ones. I got to have like, a, now we're working a different angle with an accounting firm who does payroll uh, as well. And they have a whole large book of business of payroll. So we're looking to them to start a partnership up in the same concept because that's a long-term play that's going to be there because nobody in that, you know, they're not moving up. Nobody's going to move out of that role. So for us, we didn't have any issues when we worked with ADP when I was working with those guys moving stuff over, trying to take business. And we haven't any, and even that it gave them otherwise now, they haven't tried to come back on. To take any of the comp. So it's a very good um, avenue for people if they haven't looked at it yet.
2: Yeah, no, I agree. But, you know, I, I like it for two reasons. Number one, to recruit the people from the payroll companies to come work with us at Florida Risk as producers, because why would I try and compete with ADP's Fortune 500 quality training when I can just let somebody go get their rear end kicked on the streets, trying to hawk payroll for a couple of years, go through ADP training that drastically reduces the learning curve for bringing people into the agency. Um, and the habits are there, man. I mean, to me, it's all about the habits period. It, you know, I was, I, I've been talking to every, the people inside killing commercial over the course of the last, you know, couple of weeks have really started ramping up, you know, or probably really the last couple of months, as things started to open up and go figure, now they're starting to shut down again. But, you know, when as they were getting out to do more marketing drop activity in person and all of that, they wanted to know kind of what's the magic number, what's the producer schedule that people follow, which I had done a blog post and posted about it. But right now, man, I honestly believe that the, the magic numbers and people I'm giving them to you right here. So at this point, you've got the you got the activity and the amount of at-bats you need. It's up to you to actually execute and do it. But I think that they need to be shooting to make a hundred calls on the phone every week. And I feel like they should be making at least 30, uh, 25 to 30 in-person drops. And if they can do that religiously, There's no way you're not going to, you could know nothing at all about insurance and just the sheer volume of going through that. Think about that. You've cold called on 120 businesses a month. You've cold phone called 400 businesses in a month. That's a total of 520 touches in 30 days. How many people are actually doing that? Probably not very many, but here's what I know. The ones who are a writing business, you can know nothing about insurance. You can know nothing about. Hey Kyle, it says you need to refresh the page to continue recording because yours failed. Oh, he's gone again. All right. <laughs> um, you could know nothing at all about it. Just the law of large numbers says that you will be in a position where you're going to write business. Period.
3: Yeah, you will. I mean, it's activity. You know, and we've had this conversation before is that, you know, one of my biggest drivers of how I still get new business is cold calling. It's been 10 years of it in the game and cold calling or cold drops, however you want to look at it, is still a big part of, of how I do it. Um, I still get a lot of referrals. I still have clients that refer people. I have referral partners, but I, I don't, you can't guarantee those and wait for those, especially on the commercial side. You got to go out and make it your own. You can't sit back. If you're going to wait for everything to come to you, you can, you'll can, you go dead. you got to go out and find it and bring it in.
2: Here's one of my favorite parts of Shop Talk. It's where I do a random shout-out to Christian Delosier for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> I just want to see if he's listening.
3: Just oh, he'll be it. listening.
2: You know he will. <laughs> so, Kyle, you got your stuff figured out? Nope. <laughs> nope. Wow, we don't really usually have technical issues, but we have technical issues today. It's all right. Me and Steven can carry it. You're good.
3: Yeah, we'll be good.
2: So we do need to we do need to kind of wrap up because I try and keep shop, talk, shop talks relatively um, short. You already gave like kind of a, a a good tactic in terms of can you help me out for a second? But when you're going in, what what do you find to be your number one? Like for me, I go through, I cycle through different things. I never like I might be on a kick where I use the same thing over and over and over again. And then next, you know, next month you find out I'm doing something completely different. What's your, what's your number one icebreaker?
3: Well, so I'm always leading in with the workers comp. It's a hundred percent of what I'm, I don't say a hundred percent, but let's just say at least 80, 90% of the time of what I'm leading in with on it. and they're calculated drops. You know, I have all the mod information of who I'm going after. So, um, When it comes to to my icebreaker, to be honest with you, it's there isn't really one. If I'm going to open up, uh, it's just a play it as it goes, and you know, uh, reading the person when I come in the door. And if they're laughing loose, you know, as it is, then then we just try to make it funny. If they're uptight, then I just try to loosen them up a little bit. So there's no real one icebreaker that I go to with them. but the conversation is always, in regards to the insurance side, is always geared around, around workers' comp.
2: Around I did bond, one one really. time where I walked into a gatekeeper and I said, put your hands up so I can see them. Okay. <laughs> and I said, just to let you know, I'm not here to rob you. I just want to make sure you still have both your hands because your workers' comp performance as a company is horrible. And it's only a matter of time until you lose one of those puppies.
3: I will, say, I will say this, and I haven't done it in a while, uh, but there was a time period where, especially now, you can see everybody has now hiring signs in their front yard or whatever in front of their business. There was a time where I would go into those businesses and tell them I was here to apply for a job as their risk manager. And they go, well, we're not hiring for that. I go, well, you got signs out front that say you're hiring. And I'm here to hire, You know, get interviewed for it. So that would open up a door a little bit that way. Again, I haven't done it in a while, which is probably a good time to do that now because Every business you drive by right now has signs sitting out there saying that.
2: Yep. Absolutely. We got nothing, nothing from the beard, just over there talking to himself. (laughs) Good enough. It's probably good because everybody's heard enough from him about how he goes in and breaks the ice, anyhow. I mean, he was getting close to his word quota for this episode, you know, before he cut out, cut off. (laughs) (laughs) Anyhow, we're going to wrap this one up. We're going to jump back on. We're going to do the next one. And the next one I'm going to talk about something you didn't bring up here, but very intentionally do. And that is, I want to talk about how you use your book to leverage opportunities to get in front of people. Um, because I think it's, it's, it's a very valuable way to do that. And, Also, let's just broaden it out and just say, how do you use content in general? Because I know you also just launched um, a new podcast, right? So I want to hit that on the next one. So everybody, I appreciate you tuning in. This is number one of the Sedlak sessions. We're going to give you four to six of these because this guy's got four to six worth to give you. So stay tuned. Next week, we're talking about how Steven specifically uses his unique content to get in front of the right people. Have a great weekend. See ya.